Thank you very much, Isaiah. And uh, that sort of reminds me of that uh, old Mythbusters thing where there was a thing where if you fell from a high place above water, if you could take a sledgehammer or a hammer and you threw it into the water before you hit the water, it would break the surface tension before you got there. You had a chance to survive. I've never heard that's, of that myth. That's, 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 it was proven as you can't do that. But anyway, Mike Bowden just will join us for our, for our stock out communities uh, segment here now. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. And now some interesting things coming out here with CPG uh, as related to, uh, you've got, you've got uh, different prices now coming in for food, as is the, the uh, Wall Street Journal reports, but you've got an interesting interview coming up with an old friend of ours, uh, Phil Schmidbauer. That's right. I'll talk about the interview um, first. So um, you'll be interviewing Phil Schmidbauer. He's the director of analytics at ODW um, Logistics uh, Company uh, this afternoon on the stock out at, at two o'clock Eastern time. And we've had Phil on a number of times on freight waves. And this time, we're going to dig into uh, CPG. One of their big uh, verticals is food and beverage. So really want to hit on um, topics that are uh, you know really um, sort of relevant for those uh, companies. And some of the things that you know we're going to planning to discuss are things like how CPGs can build resilience into their supply chain. I mean that's something that we've heard a lot about from CPGs uh, companies the last couple of years. Is um, they don't want to go through what they went through during COVID, um, which was Trucks not showing up, not having the right ingredients, not having the right packaging. Um, so they're doing things like uh, finding additional suppliers, adding redundancy to those networks, adding additional warehouses. So, so I wanted to see sort of really what uh, Phil's seeing in the field from 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 ODW um, and, and and their customers, and then really how CPG companies can position themselves um, for the eventual tightening in the freight markets. Of course, freight markets are loose. We don't know for how long. It's not going to be that way forever. Uh, but but how should CPG sort of think about that, really manage uh, those carrier relationships so they are taken care of when this thing eventually turns? So I think that's an important topic. I think the topic of how CPGs can avoid these on-time and in-full fees, I think it's safe to say the relationship with the retailers and CPG companies may be a little strained uh, right now, um, not on the same page at all about uh, what CPG prices uh, should be uh, when you've had commodity prices come down. Uh, where CPG prices are still are still rising, and talk about that in a minute, and then um, you know all this stuff about modal optimization. You know, can you save costs by moving LTLs um, shipments into truckloads, truckloads into intermodal units? And um, ODW has a good plan they have in place for if there's really is the demise finally of yellow. Uh, so we're going to talk about that as well. So a lot of good topics um, there, and. Um, you know, I can give you some thoughts on that. You know, you mentioned the Wall Street Journal article over the weekend on um, the disconnect between um, you know CPG prices and the and the rest of the food. So basically, the, the issue is, you know, a lot of these commodity prices have come down for agriculture, and so you're seeing that in some of the fresh or less processed uh, types of foods. So things like milk, meat, even eggs, um, you know, those type of things. Whereas the stuff in the center of the grocery store which is the less healthy stuff um, processed. You know, you think about things like um, cereals, snack items, those type of things. Those are still up like 15% plus year over year. And that was on top of being up that much on percent basis, up double digits the previous year. So those are are, are high, haven't come down. Um, there's been sort of that, that spread between what's fresh foods and processed foods has declined. So maybe there's less excuse to not 
eat healthy. Um, thought the article, you know, hit on a lot of good reasons why that is. I mean, some of these longer uh, supply chains in CPG cause them to to adjust, you know, less quickly. Uh, CPG are still kind of trying to make up for margin um, degradation they experienced during the pandemic, so they feel like they still have some margin catch up uh, to to do. Um, so there's 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 a lot going on there, but I think sort of the bottom line is the CPG companies really haven't seen the elasticity in sales volume to encourage them to reduce prices. Uh, they don't feel like they have to do that. Now, there's been a lot of talk about moving to private label and there's been some sales declines, but they've been kind of two, 3% sales declines after raising the prices 15%. So I think most CPG companies uh, would take that. And Mike, this might be a shot in the dark, but do you have any idea what the lead time or lag time might be for if we start to see some downward movement and some of the fresh food items to CPG, has there ever been any kind of study or is there any kind of data points that show, okay, this is coming down, maybe we can expect CPG prices to come down in the next six months? So it's not a one-to-one correlation, certainly. Um, with, with the CPG items, you have a lot of you know, manufacturing costs that go into that, a lot of labor costs that go into that. Uh, there's more touch points in the supply chain. Like I said, those supply chains are longer. So like to give an example, like, you know, you think about Oreo cookies, it's taking palm oil from Indonesia as one of the key ingredients. So you really have these long sort of complicated supply chains, whereas the fresh foods, I mean, you're moving corn from Iowa or produce from California or something. It's just, it's just a lot less that, that goes into that. And the CPG companies, they really, um, you know, feel that what enables them to have the margins they do is the um, demand for their brand name. And so they feel like, you know, oftentimes when people will pay up for that brand name because they know what they're getting. And so CPG companies really don't you know, reduce prices all that all that much. What they will do sometimes is, you know, you get, you know, buy one, get one free, those type of deals, which is, is really kind of the main um, topic right now on Wall Street with CPG companies is, is are they just going to be um, sort of get too antsy about sales volume and, and have too many, you know, uh, promotional activities, buy one, get one free type deals, and that's going to cut into their in, into their margin. So really, you're saying is there's no panic, or not to say no panic, but there's not much worry for CPG companies that certainly service, as you say, the middle of the supermarket uh, in terms of what they need to be going for, uh, going up against the prices from the produce aisles on the outside that uh, seem to be going down there as well. Um, in terms of, of any type of shift in the future, do you see anything that, that makes them, hey, you know, we, maybe, we may, maybe we may not drop prices in the future just because we would like to, to make an extra buck here or there? Yeah, I mean, certainly CPG companies would like to do that. I mean, like, what their benchmark is, is they look at, at 2018, 2019, and they say, well, that's where we want our margins to be at least, if not, if not higher. Now, most of the CPG companies, their margins are lower than that because there was a big hit during the, the pandemic. And, and usually when, when um, inflation creeps up, their costs are, are going to rise faster than the, the on-shelf prices because it takes time for those um, agreements they have with, with um, retailers to roll over into new uh, agreements that they can you know, raise prices. And, and so they're kind of still kind of feel like they're in that, in that catch-up mode and they cite all these other costs like, like labor. But usually what CPG companies do is, is those prices do tend to be sticky for those packaged food items, packaged you know, personal care items, that once they get to a certain level, and if they if there's more room in that margin, what they'll do instead is maybe just keep the prices stable for um, an extended period of time instead of always having 
the you know taking them up and down. Um, I mean, and if and if there's too much in stock, they'll do some kind of special promotional activity to to, to reduce the stock. A lot of times, the retailer will be in charge of that. So, um, but you know, oftentimes it's with this this the CPG company's a- approval. So they they like you know their prices to not go to not go lower and for consumers to feel like they're they're, they're getting a deal um when there is too much in stock mike amazing insights as mm-hmm. always if people want to get more of your content or tune in for that upcoming episode of stock out how can you do that yes check out the, the stock out uh, this afternoon two o'clock uh, eastern time uh, we do that live and uh if you'd like to sign up for the newsletter you can just go to www.freightwaves.com forward slash the stock out all right. Thanks so much, Mike. It'd be a great episode to watch. We've had Phil on our show, of course, many times, and uh, he's a great interview and a guest as well. Looking forward to it as well. Thanks so much. Great. Good to see you guys. All right. And moving on, let's uh, promo what we've got here coming up in the next uh, few hours or so, or the next few days or so, as uh, we look at uh, what's coming up. This going to be, of course, we have uh, the, uh, Ver- the Enterprise Fleet Summit that is just a few days away. And then, of course, our Net Zero Carbon Summit coming up later on in September, and then, of course, the big one coming up in November, November 7 through 9. Back here in Chattanooga, F3, the future of Freight Festival, going to be a great time. Get your tickets now. That's right. With F3, one thing that you're going to have to do is make sure you have your accommodations made because we that don't have true. the biggest amount of hotel capacity here in Chattanooga, so make sure you get your tickets purchased. And it's more than just an in-person event. It's also going to be an experience. If you're around for last year, there's just so many activities, so much learning, so much networking, so definitely want to make sure that you have this marked on your calendar and you and your team are going to be out here for the amazing event. Yeah, it is the scenic city, but necessarily the one that houses the most people at the particular time. So do get your tickets and get your accommodations all set up for that as well. We'll take a short break and we'll come back with our second hour after this. <laughs> 